South of Philadelphia, on the banks of the Delaware River, sits a location that is unlike any other in the United States. Fort Mifflin secured its place in American history during the Revolutionary War when Americans held off one of the largest British bombardments of the war. It secured its place in American lore because of the spirits of soldiers, women, children, and prisoners that are reported to still reside within its casemates, powder magazines, barracks, and officers' quarters. The paranormal evidence that Soul Sisters Paranormal captured exceeded even our expectations, and it solidified in our minds that Fort Mifflin really is one of the most haunted locations in the United States. During the Revolutionary War, in an effort to move his army away from British advancement, George Washington asked the soldiers of Fort Mifflin to hold to the extremity. Perhaps those soldiers who fought under the flag of Fort Mifflin have carried out that directive into eternity, forever protecting the hallowed grounds of Fort Mifflin. Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I am your host, Drea Castro, and I'm here with Christy Sumner. In 2014, Dr. Christy Sumner coupled her passion for travel, history, and the paranormal when she formed Soul Sisters Paranormal, an all-female team made up of Sumner, her two sisters, and two friends. The investigators of Soul Sisters Paranormal travel to some of the most historic and reportedly haunted locations in the U.S. in an attempt to determine for themselves if spirit activity does exist and to highlight the rich history of each location. Individually, each member of the team is an accomplished professional in her respective field, and each holds a master's, PhD, or JD degree. To date, the team has traveled to and investigated numerous U.S. locations, including the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia, the Lizzie Borden House in Massachusetts, the Velisca Axe Murder House in Iowa, the St. Augustine Lighthouse in Florida, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in Tennessee, and many others. Prior to forming Soul Sister Paranormal, Dr. Sumner, who holds a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice, was a senior director for a registered travel company focused on biometric clearances for the traveling public. She was a senior consultant for a biometric credentialing company, and she was a college professor at Metro State College of Denver and the University of Central Florida. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about this conversation as well. I've never met a paranormal investigator, so this is a new one for me. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm your first one. <laughs> yes. I think you're a unique bunch, so. <laughs> we, we try to be. We try to be. You know, the paranormal community, there, there are numerous teams of investigators out there, but, uh, you know, we do think we set ourselves apart, um, the, the female aspect of it, as well as, you know, the, uh, the advanced degree that we all hold. So uh, I think it, it adds a, a little bit different caliber to some of the investigators that are in the field right now. Yes, for sure. There's a lot of credibility there that you guys come and you're like doctors and it's great. What is that excerpt that you read in the beginning? Tell me more about that. What's the story behind it? 
Well, that is the conclusion to our video of Fort Mifflin. And Fort Mifflin is, is an amazing location. It's south of Philadelphia. It sits on the bank of the Delaware River. And it was a fort that was built during the Revolutionary War. And to be able to explore this fort and to, to have a paranormal, to do an, a paranormal investigation there um, was very unique for us. Um, we, we come from all over the country. So we met there in Philadelphia. And uh, it was the first location where we actually captured a shadow figure on one of our stationary night vision video cameras and and just the location alone is that it's such a rich historical narrative that surrounds that location that it really holds a special place in our hearts um, as one of our our best investigations so you caught a shadow figure we did <laughs> and tell me more about some of the things that you felt while you were there well, the, the first and foremost, the, the locations that we go to, um, we really want to highlight the historical aspect of that location first and foremost. So for us, being able to travel to these locations really gives us a very tactile experience with history. You know, you can read about it in books, you can Google a location, but to be able to walk into a place like Fort Mifflin and, and touch the bricks that were laid by Revolutionary War soldiers and, you know, that, that housed Civil War soldiers during the Civil War, you know, for us, that is the best part of what we do is, is to go into these locations and actually uh, really be immersed in that historical significance of that location. So when we go to these places, you know, we, we first and foremost respect that. And then we try to delve into any paranormal activity that we can find as well. So we couple that narrative with the historical or the, the paranormal experiences that we have. So what we did at Fort Mifflin is we we went in there. We stayed the night. There's five of us on that investigation. We stayed the night in that location overnight. Wait, you stayed five. in a you stay like say that again. You 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 sleep there. <laughs> we do. Yeah. So we sleep there overnight and in all the all of these locations that we go to. And so we set up stationary night vision video cameras as well as voice recorders, and we put them in different locations on the properties that we're on. So even if we're not in a specific room or a specific building, we still have eyes and ears during the night uh, in, in that location. So what we had done at Fort Mifflin, there is a casemate. And what that is, it's, a, it's basically a bunker. Most of them are underground. So this is a subterranean bunker. And it's, uh, it, it's impervious to noise, to light. It's, you know, it's completely dark. Uh, there's, you know, you can't really hear anything from the outside. So we had set up a, a night vision video camera along with a laser grid in the doorway to one of these casemates. It's called Casemate 11. And we left it to run. And while we were on a completely different side of, of the fort, um, a shadow figure comes out of the wall and it crosses from one side of the casemate to the other. And it breaks the beams of the laser grid that we had set up. And that's the first time that we actually experienced capturing a shadow figure on that laser grid. Yeah, that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> Holy moly. I just want to preface the fact that I don't like horror films. I can't watch any paranormal things. Like, it scares the crap out of me so much. So just talking to you and knowing that this stuff isn't a script or a movie and it's actually real and that you 
willingly <laughs> stayed in these places is so scary to me. Yeah, it, you know, we, we get asked that a lot, you know, are you scared? And and the answer is really no. Um, the For us, I mean, there's been moments, don't get me wrong, there's been moments where we've been startled, um, you know, when you're in a prison and the door slams or, you know, you hear footsteps running at you in the darkness. Yeah, you get startled. Um, but for us, it's really about the exploration of what's causing those, those noises and those bangs and those voices that we hear. And, uh, you know, we try to find anything that can debunk that. And then barring that, we will call that unexplainable um, or, or in our case, paranormal. Um, so when we go in, we do a very meticulous search on things that can cause what others are perceiving as paranormal, um, wind, light pollution, um, airplanes overhead, train traffic, car traffic, you know, anything like that, that could explain away some of these experiences that people are having. Um, so when we do that and we, we control for all of those things, what we're left with is the unexplainable. So it really is for us about the search of, of finding those things that are unexplainable. So while we may have moments of being startled, it, it really is a sense of exploration for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> it literally gives me chills, like my hair standing, just knowing that you do that stuff. <laughs> So it broke the laser grid. You you set up a laser grid and you saw a shadow figure. I I I want to see that footage and I actually want to put it in this uh, in this video somewhere. So I I, I want to I actually want to see it. Sure, I can send you that clip. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. I want to see it. So explain to me it it broke the laser grid that. And that was it. That Was that the only thing that you felt there or what else? No, and that's a great question. So that night was actually extremely active for us um, regard to things that we couldn't explain. So um, as, as we said at the beginning, we're an all-female team. So there's only females on the property that night. Basically, we go in and, you know, they shut the doors and we're there for the night. And so we have, we also, besides the stationary equipment that we set up, we always carry voice recorders with us as well. And so we were in one of the casemates and um, this was a casemate that was used to hold soldiers during the civil war. So both wow. union and Confederate soldiers were, were prisoners were housed in this, in this casemate. So we were sitting there and I just asked the question, who is your president? And a male's voice said Lincoln. And so again, that's something we can't explain. Um, and then we captured a voice. We asked what year is it for you? And we got the, the number 74. And which again is, is very um, telling to us because none of us said it and it was a male's voice. Did and you guys hear it? In the moment, no, we did not hear those two in the moment, um, but they were captured on our voice recorder when we what? went back and listened to it. Um, one that we did hear in the moment, however, um, an investigator, Kara and myself were back in that casemate number 11, where we captured the shadow figure. And so one of the things we also do is we leave what's called trigger items. So because that casemate was also used as a solitary confinement cell, we left some water, we left a piece of bread and we left the cigarette because we figured that if, if we acknowledge the entity that's there or the spirits that's, that's there, um, we hope to, to gain some trust and get a response from that. So Cara and I went back down into that casemate and we're sitting there just asking questions. And I said, did you see the things that we left for you? We left you some water, we left you a cigarette and a male's voice said, thank you. And we heard it in the moment and all of everything on our stationery, uh, all of our equipment captured it. Um, it. Again, it was a male's voice. And we know that there was nobody else in that room with us. Again, we're the only people on the property. And this casemate is extremely narrow. It maybe fit five people comfortably. And we have the door blocked. 
So there's no way you, anybody could get in or out. Um, so that to us was extremely compelling. Wow. That is terrifying. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yes. Yeah, so for me, it's actually very exciting. You know, when we can, um, you know, really have that experience with what we believe is something that had a human experience. So uh, when we go to these locations, we are trying to make contact with, again, entities or spirits that we believe were at one time human. And so we go in with that rules, that, that sense of respect, you know, we, we respect them for the humans that they were. And even if we're in a prison or in a sane asylum or someplace like that, we always go in with that attitude. You know, we don't go in with a lot of bravado. We don't go in provoking. We don't go in, you know, thumping our chest saying, I'm not going to believe you're here unless you throw this chair across the room. You know, that's not what we do. We really try to respect them for what they went through in life. And so that's why we take those trigger items. We do some advanced research before we go. And we try to leave trigger items such as water or in some case, whiskey or, you know, a toy if we're trying to communicate with a child, because we want to interact with them on the, the human level, uh, the human level that they once were. My gosh, that is so fascinating. That is fascinating. Okay, so why did you start traveling for paranormal investigations? What is the start of this wonderful group of women? <laughs> so that's a great question. Um, the, the group is made up of myself, my twin sister, our younger sister, and then two female family friends. And my sisters and I, we live in different parts of the country. So we would routinely travel to a location for a girl's weekend, um, you know, just, just Denver or New York City or somewhere like that, just to meet up and, and do something fun over a weekend so we could get to see each other a couple times a year. And so we had a family friend who sat on the board of the Moundsville State Penitentiary, which is one of the uh, most haunted locations in the country. It's in, in Moundsville, West Virginia. And he said, you know, for your girls trip this week, this year, why don't y'all come up to the prison, stay the night and see if you can capture anything compelling or paranormal. So we said, why not? Uh, you know, we've always had a fascination with the paranormal. So we said, if, if we get the chance to do an investigation, we'd go. And this just really presented itself in 2013. And uh, we, we went in with just some rudimentary equipment. We had a, a couple of digital cameras, um, you know, a couple of voice recorders. But we left at that experience feeling that we had captured some very telling things. You know, we heard footsteps. We heard people speaking when nobody was there. We heard, heard door slamming again when nobody was in the area. So we really wanted to formalize our group and just go around the country seeing if we could really, again, tell the historical narratives of these locations and then put together any compelling paranormal evidence that we found along the way. Um, and so that's what we did. We, we formed Soul Sisters Paranormal. We, uh, you know, got our logo, trademarked our name, our logo, and uh, just really wanted to bring a sense of professionalism to a community that really is seen as a subculture um, in, in, in the mainstream media. You know, when people think of ghost hunters or paranormal investigators, a lot of times you think of people who are, you know, kooks or crazies. And we wanted to kind of, you know, dispel that notion with bringing, again, that sense of professionalism, if we could, to this community. So the kind of gear that you bring now, because <laughs> you just mentioned the, I guess, your gear, your rudimentary gear at the very beginning, very, 
uh, now what do you, I mean, you have a laser grid? What we, we do, we have several of them. So I'll just say that wow. um, when you get into the paranormal, buying equipment is kind of like getting tattoos. You know, you just can't get one. <laughs> um, so we, we actually, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a weird obsession. You know, I have more flashlights um, than you can possibly know what to do with. I could probably power an entire, uh, entire building with my flashlights, uh, uh, collection, but um, so we we have night vision video cameras um, that we set up. They're all battery powered. Again, that that's because when we go to a large location, you know, like Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, that was uh, one of the largest maximum security prisons in the country. It's a large campus. It's made up of you know numerous blo uh, cell blocks and and auditoriums and gymnasiums and all of that. So because there's only five of us, again, we want eyes and ears on everything. So we have night vision video cameras that we leave stationary. We have voice recorders that we'll leave in stationary locations. Um, we do have those laser grids uh, that I talked about that we'll leave in conjunction with those night vision video cameras. Um, uh, all of those trigger items that, that I mentioned. Um, we have different piece of, uh, pieces of electronics that are designed for paranormal investigations. So we have what's called a K2 meter. And basically, it's designed to measure electromagnetic energy in a room. So it was designed for electricians, but paranormal investigators have really used it in the field as well. Um, so the idea is that a spirit can give off electromagnetic energy because we're all made up of energy, um, which can't be created or destroyed. So when you die, the theory is that energy goes with you. Um, so we'll take these K2 meters into a room like where we know there is no power or electricity and theoretically they shouldn't go off, right? Because there's no power in the room. So when we start asking questions and we get responses on those meters, they, because they have a light array. Um, so if they're stationary at green, but they'll spike up to red if there's a lot of energy. So if we're in a room and we start getting spikes on the, those meters, we think that's very compelling. Um, so we have several of those. Um, we have uh, what's called a spirit box, which is an AM FM radio that's been modified to sweep very quickly through frequencies. So when you turn it on it, and you start the sweeping, it sounds like as it's going through all these AM and AM and FM frequencies, the idea being that spirits can speak through the white noise. And um, we've used that with great success at, at various locations, um, getting what we feel are, are compelling responses on that spirit box. So we have that and uh, just various other pieces of equipment designed to measure either energy or motion or things like that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. So tell me about your favorite haunted location and why. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I'll have to say that all of the locations that we've gone to, I absolutely love, again, for that historical significance. You know, yeah. not many people can say they've stayed the night in the St. Augustine Lighthouse or a maximum security prison or the Velisca Axe Murder House. So for that aspect, you know, it's very hard for me to pick one historically. Um, the one that was the most active, I'd say, in, comp in very compelling evidence um, was the old Gilcrest County Jail, and that's in Trenton, Florida, which is about an hour's west of Gainesville, Florida. And uh, this investigation was very interesting because um, there was just myself and another another female paranormal investigator. Her name's Miranda from Ghostbiker Explorations. And she and I collaborated on this one. And so she and I were the only two people on the property. And so I'll say that this, this, it's a very small prison. It's only two stories. Um, it has four cells on the bottom and four on the top. And then it's got a small jailer's house that's connected via a doorway. 
And um, so a very small footprint, it, uh, you know, in comparison to what we normally investigate, but it was, it was built in 1928 and it was an operation until 1968. And then it set abandoned. And so people used it as a drug house and do drug wow. deals and all that other stuff. So it's not in the best of best of neighborhoods. Um, in fact, when we went and approached the owner about investigating it, she asked if we carried handguns and we said, we did, we're, we're both licensed to carry. And she said, I highly recommend you keep your guns with you at all times. That's the area that we're in. And so we went into this location again, it was just she and I, and, uh, initially we weren't really getting anything on any of our equipment. And so Miranda said, I wonder if they think because we have our guns, I wonder if they think we're law enforcement. So we decided to take our guns off and put it on a, a little cot that was in one of the cells. And so I put my gun down and Miranda, as she went to put her gun down, she said, I'm putting it down nice and easy. And directly behind us, a voice said, good. And there's nobody else in the building. And we heard it. And then after that, the night was really electric with with activity um we were capturing um voices that we heard in the moment um for example we we were we were going down a flight of stairs and we captured a voice saying kill him which was extremely interesting um we, uh, capt we captured oh another God. voice um saying come help me uh that was a whispered voice we captured that on a voice recorder again there's nobody else in the building and then um all, all of our other pieces of equipment were going off and they were alarming when, again, there's no power in this location. So we set what we call a REM pod. Um, it's a, again, designed to measure electromagnetic energy, but it also has a, an audible alarm. So we set it in the hallway and we backed off probably about six to eight feet. And we were asking questions such as, if you're here, can you touch that REM pod and make it go off? And it did, the alarms went off, um, the lights went off. And then we said, step away, it stopped. We said, you know, if you're so and so, if your if your name is Roger, because we had uh, evidence that there was a, a person by the name of Roger who was killed in there. Um, if your name is Roger, can you step up and, and alarm that again? And it did it. So we did this back and forth for about 20 minutes and just what we consider positive responses back and forth. Again, those night vision video cameras with the laser grids and we captured a shadow figure walking from right to left through the laser grid. And I actually saw it when it happened. And I said, Sorry. can you can you walk back through it? And it went from left to right. So it walked from right to left first, and then it went back to the back to the right again. So it was pretty wild. What else have you seen with your eyes? I'm just so curious. Like, I <laughs> well, we've seen things move. Um, we've seen balls move. Um, we, again, we see the, uh, the the laser grids move. We see those um, those those K2 meters. Again, when they go off, we can visibly see the light array go from green to red. We were actually in Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, which again is a, it was a former maximum security prison, and it's actually where they had uh, James Earl Ray held after he killed Martin Luther King Jr. So um, it's just some very bad guys in this location. So we were in the gymnasium area and there were five of us on this investigation. Um, again, Miranda was with us and uh, she has her own, uh, her own web series. So her camera guy was there. So it was Miranda and her camera guy, Josh, and then three of us. And so there were five of us and we had set up, it's completely dark. So when we go into these locations, even though we're using night vision video cameras and it looks kind of light on our videos, everything is completely dark in the moment. So we set up some things that had some lights in the middle of this gymnasium. So um, we had a flashlight, we had a glow in the dark balloon and we had that REM pod, which has a red light on it. And we stepped back probably about 15 feet and we were in a semicircle around it. And um, we started playing some Indian, uh, some Native American music. 
and oh just God. some 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 various things to try to get a response, right? Yeah. So we're um we're sitting there watching this and I see something dart in front of me and it cuts off my line of vision to the lights. So it ran right across. And I, you know, I said, holy shit, did, did y'all see that? And Miranda was holding what we call an SLS camera. And it's a camera that has an iPad on it that has an algorithm. And when it perceives a human form, it displays it as a stick figure on the screen. And so if there's nobody in the room, it, it sh theoretically should not see anything. So she was holding this thing. And at the same time I saw the shadow figure, this stick figure pops up on her screen. So she says, I, I, I just saw it. I just mapped it on the SLS camera. And so we all look up again and her camera guy, Josh, just happens to pull the camera up as well. And he caught it on film. You see the shadow of and it runs wow. back the other way and it cuts off the light, our line of vision to that, that red light on the rim pod. So we've seen, we physically have seen those. Um, we've, we've heard footsteps, we've heard door slams, um, you know, different things like that, which is, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, before we do, I always do a pre-interview and I was telling you about, you know, how my, my mom recently passed away mm -hmm. and, um, we have a lot of unfinished business <laughs> and she had been haunting my house, but then I was told to banish her from the house. So I, I used Sage to get rid of her because she mm -hmm. was messing with things in my home and taking blankets off me. I, I told you all this and, and yeah, all this yeah. stuff. But what was crazy was that my friend, a very close friend of mine, who's never met my mom, only knows about the situation. Uh, she, when I banished her that, that day, that evening, my mom shows up at her, the foot of her bed wow. two nights in a row and physically sees this mm -hmm. figure. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, that stuff is f crazy to me right now. Like I find that to be <laughs> like, whew, you know? Yeah, it really, it really is. And, you know, in, in our experience, um, you know, personally, I feel that there are three reasons why an entity would stay, a spirit would stay. Again, I, I think that the things that we're communicating with had that human existence. And if that's the case, and energy can't be created or destroyed, you know, I feel that they, the first one is they do have unfinished business, you know, something um, that wasn't fulfilled or that they need fulfilled. Um, and until that happens, they're, they're, they're here, you know, and, and some people can see them and then are receptive to them. Um, another reason is that in my mind that they're stuck. Uh, you know, they, they know that they've passed, but for some reason they can't find the way to move to whatever's next, whatever that next realm is, they can't find the way to get there. And then the third one is that uh, they're afraid of the repercussions um, or the punishment uh, of what's in, in the next realm based on the life that they lived here on earth. Um, so, and I'll just put it out there. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And so I, my, my theory is there, there is something after this, we do go on, but we do have the ability to, to really have that, that um, spiritual experience here, if it's necessary, again, unfinished business, um, you know, it, or, you know, you're afraid of what happens next. So I think the, the ones that we encounter in prisons, fit into that third category. You know, they, they, they didn't live the best life on earth. So they're just fine hanging out in prisons and, and not really ready to face whatever's next. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah, I think that's why. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I think own. that's probably why your mom, yeah, that's why your mom was, was hanging hanging around and paying a visit to you. And I think she's still around, you know what I mean? I think that there's the, the unfinished business is not done. Mm -hmm. And I think that eventually like it's going <laughs> to, 
you know, it'll make its way back. Hopefully not soon. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, you can just, um, in our experience, uh, if you just tell that the spirit to leave that, you know, this is your location, this is your house and it's not welcome here. You acknowledge it, but it's not welcome here. Um, most of the time it's been successful that we've felt that it's been successful if you do that. Thank you for the advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So your favorite haunted location, you just mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Tips and tricks for anybody who wants to go visit that location. Well, the first thing, if you want to visit any of these locations, the first thing is to get permission. Uh, you know, you, you obviously don't want to trespass. You don't want to do anything illegal. So you, you have to get permission from the owners to investigate these locations. And then if you're serious about getting into paranormal investigations, you, in my mind, you really have to go into it with the right intentions, what I call the right intentions. Um, you know, you, you don't want to do this just to be scared on a Saturday night. Um, you know, that, that's really not the purpose for us. As I said before, it, it really is about, you know, having that historical exploration of, of going to these locations. And then the next one is really going in with respect for the entities that are said to reside there. And so you really need to go in with that mindset that you're here to learn, you're here to tell their story. Um, if you watch any of our videos, that, you know, that phrase is common throughout all of our videos. We want to tell your story. We're here to tell your story. And I believe that's really the, the mindset that you need to go in with. And then just get yourself a, a voice recorder or, or a small camera and just go in and with some patience. You've got to sit there and, and you know, you're not going to probably not going to hear or see anything in the first five minutes, you've got to give it time. You know, when we go to these locations, we're there from, you know, 12 to 24 hours. A lot of cases we're there for the weekend. And, uh, you know, we, we put together uh, the, the compelling pieces of evidence that we found. But, um, you know, it, it's a lot of patience when you do this. So it just doesn't happen usually. I'm sure it's like varying, but it takes some time when you're there. Yes, it does. And so trust, uh, I suppose, right? I'm I sorry. Like I feel like they have to trust you. Almost. They do. Absolutely. And, and you do have to build that trust. Um, I think the fact that we're an all female group, I think lends itself a little bit more to getting some positive responses. Yeah. Again, as I said before, we, we don't go in with bravado. Um, you know, you see YouTubers or, or other paranormal investigators where they go in and they provoke or they threaten, or, you know, they go in with that, you know, raw type of attitude. And that's not really what we do. We, we go in with, again, that sense of empathy. And uh, so I think because of that, we've been very fortunate in capturing, again, things that we can't explain. Um, we have a pretty good track record of, of capturing uh, at least a voice or a shadow figure or something like that. Um, and another thing is we actually listen to everything. You know, if I've got 10 voice recorders and they're running for 10 hours, I'm listening to 100 hours of audio. I mean, I sit and listen to all of it. Um, if I've got 10 cameras running for 10 hours, I'm watching 100 hours of footage. So it takes a long time for us to go through that. But because of it, um, I think we do pick up things that a lot of people wouldn't because they don't have the patience to do it. Um, but I feel if we're putting forth the effort to go to these locations. I mean, in some cases we're driving, you know, from Florida to Iowa. Um, if, if I'm putting forth the effort to do that, then I'm going to, I'm going to see it through the entire way, the entire time um, and listen and watch all of that. So again, it goes back to that patience level. Um, but you know, we've, the things that we've captured are things that 
I have no explanation for in the moment. You know, if, if somebody wants to come and say, well, I think it's this, then I would absolutely love to have that debate because, or that dialogue. And so we can figure out what it is because obviously I don't want to put out anything that's, that's not, you know, valid. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we run into a lot of, of critics and skeptics uh, about what we do. And, you know, for me, the answer is I'm not trying to convince anybody. Um, you know, what I'm doing is putting together a historical narrative of these really cool places across the country. Um, I'm, I'm outlining what we did with our investigation, who was there, what we set out, and then the things that we can't explain. So, for example, if I'm in a, a civil war hospital in Gordonsville, Virginia, and I capture a child's voice, and I know that there's no children anywhere in, in, the, in you know, the 40 acres around this place, that's something that I can't explain. And so that's that's really how we approach all of our investigations. You know, we go in with, um, you know, just just really for the exploration. If if like I said, if we can go into some place like Fort Mifflin and and stay in these casemates and, you know, know the history behind it, that the, the people that built our country used to you know be in this fort. That to me is the experience in and of itself. Um, the fact that I get a couple voices and a shadow figure—that's bonus. Um, even if we if we go to a location and we don't capture anything, we're still going to put together that historic narrative because I feel that we can give something to our audience that they may not know, like a, a fact or a figure or you know some some historical background that they may not be aware of. Um, you know, I, I actually started putting together these videos because. Um, our first couple of investigations, my family kept saying, well, what was it like? What, you know, what was the background behind it? What, what did you learn in your research? And so I said, well, let me just show you. So at Fort Mifflin was actually the first, it was our, our third investigation, but it was the first video that I, that I put together and produced. And, you know, after that, it just kind of grew. Um, but the, a lot of my family loves them just for the historical aspect of it. And so if we can put that forward for our audience, even if you don't like paranormal, we hope that the history can carry the episode. You mentioned traveling the country, mm -hmm. doing these paranormal investigations. How many have you done? Like how many states have you gone to? How many places have you uh, investigated? And what are your plans? Are okay. you planning on doing it internationally? <laughs> So we, we actually do two types of investigations. The first one is what I call commercial investigations. So these are the locations that are like the St. Augustine Lighthouse or the Velisca Axe Murder House. You know, these are places that you can go to that have a paranormal story or a haunted story. And so we go to those to really, for the experience, but also to build our portfolio. Um, so to, to be able to go to them and, and have that historical experience as well as that paranormal experience, that's what we really go for. Um, so we've been to 13 different states um, on, on as paranormal investigators, and we've conducted about two dozen of those commercial investigations. And then we have residential or business investigations where somebody will call us and say, uh, wow. you know, I believe that I have an entity in my house or my business is haunted. Can you come and investigate and tell me I'm not crazy? So we've wow. done numerous of uh, those business and residential uh, investigations as well. So we probably three dozen or so investigations. Um, uh, and, and again, finding compelling evidence along the way. But um, the, those commercial ones, again, those are the ones that we really highlight in, in, our, in our travels and in our videos. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because obviously mm -hmm. they're recognizable and 
I mean, civil war prisoners. Come on now. <laughs> <That's pretty amazing. laughs> right. So, so again, yeah, th those are the ones we go to uh, on the, in the States. Um, and then uh, we will be going international in uh, September. We'll be going to England. Um, yes. We're going to have a couple of castles lined up that we're going to investigate over there, which is a lot of which we think is a lot of fun. Um, also, we're, we're kind of revamping just a little bit. Um, uh, we've had a couple of, of uh, members that are getting different jobs. One of them mo is moving. So um, actually, it's just going to be my twin sister and I now. And those other investigators will come on as just guest investigators. So my twin Jenny and I will just be uh, the two members of Soul Sisters Paranormal from, from here on out. Actually, I I'd love to get anywhere. Anybody that has a very cool historical story um, or a place that they'd like us to investigate, I I'd love to go. Yes. Well, you guys have heard it. If you guys have a, a place that's historical or just really haunted, reach out to Christine. <laughs> you know, there's just so many different places around the world and, and around the country, but around the world as well that, you know, we would love to get to. Um, it's uh, for up until this point, it really has been all about logistics for us. Um, you know, when we when we travel because we have that equipment, we're uh, at least myself and my twin are usually driving everybody else flies to the location and then we spend the weekend there um it'll be a little bit easier now that we've we've gone down to just two investigators uh full-time investigators um so I, I think we'll be getting a a few more investigations throughout the year now um we're heading to texas in february and we're gonna stop at the myrtles plantation along the way um gonna do some haunted asylums out in texas so i'm very excited about that but uh yeah we like i said for us it really is about the journey with all of this you know as i said before you know we, we can go from from florida to iowa or florida to massachusetts or new york um and, and to see the country that way whoops to see the country that way uh is just an amazing experience so tell me with all of that what does travel mean to a paranormal investigator <laughs> um well you know as i said before to be able to very in a very tactile way, experience these locations. That to me is the most amazing part of this. Um, to be able to do it with, with my sisters who are my best friends, um, that is just, it's an experience that I just can't explain. Uh, it's just one of those things that to me, it's, it's, you know, just that's what life is, you know, to have these experiences. Um, and, and again, to be able to do that with my sisters is just an amazing thing for me. Um, and, and, to be able to highlight that in what we do uh, through our videos and such, and to be able to present that to an audience um, is is extremely rewarding. You know, when we first started this, I, I never dreamed that we would have the following that we have, you know, on YouTube and on Facebook and such. But you know, people have just been really kind of um, enamored by our story and what we do and how we do it, and um, I'm very appreciative for that. So travel for me uh, with the paranormal travel for me is is just uh it's just an amazing ride I, I i've just enjoyed every aspect of it you know when you go through something with someone that no one else can explain you know like when you travel somewhere you enjoy a beach you're just a little different you know you're enjoying a haunt <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> <Right>. special <laughs> yeah exactly you know like you're, you're it is, you, you know, you're standing in the, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum and you know that every person on the property is right there in your little huddle and you hear a blood curdling scream from down the hallway. <gasps> I mean, that's that's a shared experience for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, have you ever felt like you've been in danger when you visited these places? Have you ever felt like you were in danger at all? 
No, not really. You know, I, I'm more scared of humans than I am of, of the ghosts or the entities that we encounter. Um, so for, for that reason, I, I've, we've never felt threatened um, or have any type of sense that we're in danger personally, physically, spiritually, anything like that. Um, you know, even when they of, were saying, I'm sorry, kill them. even that when they were saying kill them, you had mentioned that earlier, because I feel, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you know I, I, we never really felt in danger. Um, for us, in, in there's two types of hauntings that in the paranormal community that we consider two types of hauntings. Um, the first one is what we call residual hauntings. Um, and, and those are essentially like a blip in time. Um, so I, I'm not sure if you're old enough to know what a record is, but you know, you yeah. get a record. Oh, I have records. Oh, there you go. That's, that a girl. I got a record collection. <laughs> that a girl. So, you know, when you get a, when you get a scratch on a record, every time the needle hits that scratch, you know, it, it bumps or bleeps or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the same thing of what a residual haunting is in, in very generic terms. Um, it's something that is just a blip in time. Um, it can happen on an anniversary or a birth date or some significant date. And so that's what we're hearing with the residual. So I think the kill them was something that was a residual. Then we also have what we call intelligent hauntings. And those are hauntings where you're actually getting a response based on a question that you've asked or a trigger item or something that you've done. So for example, when I say, what's your name? And I get Henry, then that to me is intelligent because it, it hears me, it sees me and it's responding to me. Um, so we've, we've run into both of those types of, of experiences, both those types of hauntings. Um, so for us, you know, again, it's, it's never, I've never felt threatened, um, there's a lot of paranormal investigators who, again, will go in and they consider most of what they find demonic. Um, you know, we don't go in looking for anything dark. Now, I'll say that we've experienced things that are are negative or darker. Um, for example, when we went into Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, there's a one of the the cell blocks is said to be inhabited by a guy who wasn't so great. He was a, a, a serial killer, um, you know, not so great. I think most of them not so great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, this one was a little bit worse of the worst. Um, yeah. So he's said to be more negative. You know, for us, that's not what we're seeking out. So in that cell block, we put a voice recorder, we put a, a night vision video camera. We said, if you want to interact with us, here's the way to do it. Um, otherwise, we're leaving you to your space and we're going to go talk to somebody else. Um, so we don't really go in and look for anything demonic. And because of that, we've never felt that we've encountered anything like that. Um, so it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate not to really have to delve into or deal with. Well, what happened? Did he say anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, on that night, no, we didn't get anything in that room uh, or in that cell block uh, oh. that night. That that voice recorder and that uh, that night vision video camera didn't pick up anything. But the rest of the prison was extremely active. You know, we've we've actually investigated there twice, and wow. uh, be just because the first time again, was just an amazing experience. We were capturing footsteps, door slams, intelligent responses. Um, there's things that we couldn't explain. So we wanted to go back again. And so we've, we've done two investigations there. Wow. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt any intelligent, like, like dark energy? Like, have you Yeah, not so not so much dark. Um, I, I would say, more oppressed 
if you will. Okay. Um, there was a, 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 a place that we visited in Ohio called Prospect Place Mansion, and it was a stop on the Underground Railroad. And wow. so one of the uh, one of the barns there is said to be inhabited by um, the the spirit of a of a headhunter who went to look for these runaway slaves, and they actually hung him in the barn. Um, that's wow. fact. And so the spirit is said to haunt that barn. Um, so when you walk into it, it just it feels darker. Um, if that makes sense, it's like the dark yes. gets darker, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's more oppressive. Um, it's one of those where it's like, I don't, you know, this is, if we encounter something here, it's going to be something that is either mad or doesn't really want us there. Um, so we captured some interesting things in that barn. Um, not so much, not anything that I would say was threatening to us. Um, but again, it was just, it was just heavier, it was just it's darker. Like and so sad. that's the type of things that we experience when we go to, to places that have that type of energy. Um, so things like uh, the Velisca Axe Murder House or the Lizzie Borden House, yeah. um, you know, both both are cr crime scenes of uh, horrific crimes. And uh, so you just it just feels a little bit different. It feels a little bit more, you know, off, if you will. In what way? Just again, just that that heaviness, that uh, that oppressiveness, that something really wants to tell its story. Um, when we went to uh, the Velisca Axe Murder House, this was the site where, in 1912, um, a family of six, along with two girls who were staying the night, were all bludgeoned to death um, with an axe, and so they never they never solved the murder. So when you walk in there, it, it's just it, it's just it's kind of like it it kind of is like the walls hold that energy, if that makes sense. So, you know, you're, you're walking on the hardwood floors where these babies were killed and, you know, you're up there, you see the ax marks, they're still on the wall. Um, wow. And so it's just, it's just kind of that experience again, just more, just a little bit darker, if you will, but it's yeah. never anything that, again, we felt threatened by. Was there a lot of activity and did they feel like they needed to tell their story to you or get their story out or, or any of that? Have you ever felt that? Um, at, at the Velisca Axe Murder House specifically, we had a very interesting interaction with um, who, what we believe is the spirit of Sarah Moore, which was the mother. Um, so again, this happened in 1912. It was a mom, a dad, and their four kids. That was the Moore family. And then two, uh, two little girls were sleeping over, and those were the Stillinger girls. So um, they were all in this house. They were bludgeoned to death. So we were, we were actually sitting outside. There's a little, a little barn that's right beside the house. And and, um, the owners had that set up for what we call a base camp. So we put all of our, you know, equipment, yeah. our snacks, our water, all of that is in there. So we were just actually sitting out there having some water. And we have those, again, those two K2 meters that I talked about, um, the ones that had the light, the laser, the, the light array on it. Yeah. Um, so they were sitting there. There's no energy. There's no power, anything around these two pieces of equipment. Um, so one is gray and one is black. And so they're just sitting there and they start going off. And so we, we kind of step back and we're like, okay, if you're here, can you make those meters go all the way to red? And they did. And I said, can you just make the black one go off to red? Yep. Just the black one went off to red and they're sitting side by side. So if one is going off, Theoretically, this one should be going off, but on command, it kept switching back and forth between the meters when I asked it to. 
And so we were able to determine in our minds that we were talking to Sarah Moore. And um, she, through that conversation, um, we believe that we learned that her kids, the spirit of her kids were still in the house, um, as well as the spirit of the murderer who would stop by as well. So um, that was extremely interesting. So I think on that aspect, she was trying to tell her story. So that to us was extremely intelligent. Um, we, uh, Michelle and Jenny were up in the room where the kids were killed. And so they were doing what we call an EVP session. And basically that's where we sit and we ask questions. We just, you know, what's your name? How long have you been here? Just, just various questions to see if we can get a response. And so when they were done, Michelle and Jenny stood up and Michelle, it's on camera. Michelle bends down and she, she grabs her head and she's like, oh, I've got a headache. And it happens when I stand up. And Jenny's like, maybe we should go down and get some water. So they leave the room and the camera and the voice recorder both pick up a child saying, I didn't do that, um, which to me is very intelligent. Um, yeah. Again, it's, it's a child. There's no children with us. Um, and I think it was in response to Michelle saying that she had the headache. So um, I, I think, you know, in that aspect, it was it, it the child saw Michelle, it heard Michelle and it responded because she said I had a headache. Um, so that it was a, it, the Velisca Axe murder house was a very cool investigation for us. Wow. That's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating. Yeah. Have you ever gone to a place to investigate and then debunked it? Yes. Um, so we've done that. A lot of times that will occur with the residential and the business locations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, when, when people contact us to say, can, can you come and investigate? Because I think something is going on. The first thing they want to know is they're not crazy. And so we absolutely say, we believe you, we believe that things are going on. But in a lot of cases, we can rule it out based on environmental factors. Again, you know, wind pollution, night, light pollution or something like that. So we had a business call us and they, uh, he said, uh, the owner said, my, my business is haunted. Uh, you know, things, my, my night vision video cameras are, they're picking up motion, they're going off and, you know, I'm convinced it's haunted. Can you come and investigate? I said, sure. So his business, it's, it's a long, it's a storefront. It's a long, um, it was in a plaza. So it's a longer unit, but it had an all glass storefront and he had some um, display cases inside and he had some mirrors set up along the walls. So he had those night vision video cameras all set up. And um, so we went in and we did an investigation one night and our equipment wasn't picking up anything. We didn't feel anything. Um, There was nothing really to convince us that something paranormal was going on. So we left some of our night vision video cameras that night we left the building, locked it up. Next morning, um, we went back in to get our equipment. And I said, did your night vision video cameras go off? And he said, yes, extremely active night. Things were moving all over. They kept going on and off. And I said, okay, give me the timestamps and I'm going to cross-reference them with my cameras, which is what we did. And what I found was his business front was directly in front of a place where cars made U-turns on the highway. So every time the car made a U-turn, the headlights were going into the storefront window and bouncing off of the mirror and essentially blinding his night vision video camera. So it was turning them off and on. And so that's what he was perceiving as paranormal. Um, So I said, just angle the cameras down or take the mirror down and that should solve your problem, which it did. So if we can go in and and debunk things like that, then that is that I feel that's what our job is. I would feel a lot more relieved. (laughs) (laughs) That's great because obviously I feel like you guys are doing it in a way where you are trying to debunk it first Mm -hmm. for claiming 
you know, that the place is haunted or unexplainable. So that's that's really, really helpful. When we when we conduct an investigation, the first thing that we also do is um, we'll take a day tour before the investigation mm -hmm. that night. Um, and again, that's to see it in the light and to find out where things could affect our investigation. So um, it, are it, what's the train traffic like? What's the, the traffic pattern like? Are there dogs in the neighborhood, kids in the neighborhood? Anything that could influence our findings during that night. And that way, if we hear it or see it on our voice recorders or our night vision video cameras, we can rule that out. Um, so as I said before, we, we watch all of our footage and we listen to all of our, our voice recorders. And so if I hear something or, or Jenny or somebody hears something or sees something, we clip it and then we send it to everybody else in the group. We don't say what we hear or see. We just clip it and say, watch this or listen to this. And then if, if everybody can come to a consensus that we're hearing the same thing or seeing the same thing, then we put it as evidence because um, we feel like our, our group is a microcosm of our audience. So, um, you know, if one of us is perceiving it as something else, then, you know, we really don't include that in, in our findings. So we really try to do a rigorous, um, you know, study of, of what we found. And we really do. A, we have a conversation about it as well. It's, it's a long process. It is a long process. It's very tedious. It is. Wow. It's very tedious. Tell me your most meaningful person you've met on your travels, a person or ghost? <laughs> well, I'll go with the person first. You know, the, the interesting thing about the paranormal community, and, and again, this was never something that oh, I started out to do or we started out to do. Um, this was supposed to just be a, a one-off girls trip. But um, when you really get involved in the paranormal community, it, it really is a, a welcoming community. You know, there's, there's a lot of people in this um, just for the love of doing what we do. And we, we want to do this for our audience as well. Um, uh, so in that aspect, I've met a lot of great paranormal investigators, a lot of great teams. Um, I, I'd say the most influential person that I've met is Miranda from Ghost Biker Explorations. Um, she has her own web series and she's unique because she rides her motorcycle to these haunted yeah. locations and she investigates mostly alone. And um, so I, I started following her. Yeah, I know. I started following her web series um, a couple of years ago and I just emailed her and I said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm congratulations on what you're doing. So we just started this email conversation for about four months. And then uh, we actually met last year um, at an investigation. I said, Hey, let's just go to this place and investigate. So we investigated together and she's just become one of my, my dearest friends. So I'm very fortunate to have met her through the paranormal, which, uh, you know, again, I, I never dreamed would happen. So that's that's the coolest person, living person that I've met through the paranormal. Um, but uh, as far as ghosts, I would say the most interesting ghost that I've met um, would have to be Ma Barker from the Ma Barker house. Um, this is a house in central Florida. It was the site of the 1935 shootout between Ma Barker and her son, Freddie, along with the FBI. So Ma and her son, <laughs> Ma and her son, Freddie, were part of the Barker Carpus gang um, that roamed the country uh, in the early 1920s. And uh, so they rented this house in uh, Ocklawaha, Florida in 1935 because they were trying to escape J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, who, who was hot on their heels. And um, so on January 16th, 1935, uh, the FBI tracked them to this little, this little lakeside house in the middle of nowhere, really, um, and a four and a half hour gun battle ensued and Ma and Fred were killed in this house. So um, in 2019, um, well, in, in 2016, Marion County, Florida uh, acquired the house 
And, um, and so when I found that out, that's where I live. So when I found that out, I went to the county and said, can I be the first to investigate this house? Because um, I've heard about it my entire life. You know, I grew up about eight miles from the location and they said, sure, they were extremely accommodating. Um, so this house is completely, completely isolated on 40 acres. There's no power to it. There's no light to it. There's no water to it. So I knew there was no pollution of any kind, environmental pollution that would affect our, our investigation. And um, so the, the night we went in there, uh, we were capturing some very compelling things. We, uh, we, we said, uh, you know, Ma, are you here? And we got a yes. We were capturing things on our, our night vision video cameras. Um, we use that spirit box that I told you about that AM FM radio um, that, mm -hmm. that sweeps through the frequencies. And again, because it's sweeping so fast, you should never hear a full phrase. Um, and, and when I asked what happened in this room, um, a voice came through and it said, they murdered us. We the ones dead. Um, so and you that heard was, it. yeah. Oh yeah. We heard it in the moment. Um, so that was like, that, that's pretty cool because again, it's going so you should never right. hear a phrase. Um, it, and so that was extremely compelling. And then when uh, Ma and Fred rented this lake house in 1935, they rented it under the name of Blackburn. That's the alias, Mr. and Mrs. Blackburn. And so when we were up in the room, I said, can you say the name Blackburn? And through the spirit box came Blackburn. And again, there's, there's just that to me is extremely compelling because even if it was a radio station, the chances of a radio station saying the name Blackburn when I'm asking this to say Blackburn are astronomical. So that to me is extremely compelling. Um, and then uh, one of the other members of the gang, his name was Alvin Carpus. He wasn't killed in the house, but he was a member of the gang. And so when I, I said, uh, Alvin, are you here? And the spirit box said Alvin Carpus. And I never say, said the name Carpus, but Alvin Carpus came through the spirit box. So, um, oh it, yeah, that was it. So um, I, I had the opportunity to go back to the house several times after the investigation. And so every time I'd walk in and I'd say, hey, Ma, hey, Fred. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, those two. So I think those two are the ones that I connected with spirits that I've connected with the most um, th through wow. this journey. What's your most fulfilling moment for me personally? The, the journey to getting to these locations, um, you know, walking up the steps of the lighthouse in St. Augustine, sleeping in the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast, uh, you know, being in Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, it, you know, those, those to me are extremely fulfilling because it's just the reason why we're taking this journey, you know? So to be able to, to go to those locations, all of them, all for their historical significance, all of them have been amazing. So that to me is extremely fulfilling, you know, being able to put together these videos and, and I've learned a lot in video production and editing and all of that through this. So to be able to put together these videos that, that people actually watch and enjoy and ask me when, you know, the next one's coming out, uh, you know, wh what's your next investigation? When can we see your next video? Um, that to me is extremely fulfilling filling. Again, something I never dreamed I'd do. That's not in my background at all, but I, I, I you know, to me, it's just a, a very cool uh, ability to be able to do that and uh, to have people on, on Facebook and YouTube just contacting us and saying, hey, we love what you do. Uh, that, again, extremely fulfilling for me. I love that. It's like you get the results and you know that people are actually, you know, 
interested in what you're doing. <laughs> it is, you know, and again, I, we, we don't, we have a, a few thousand followers on, on YouTube and that to me is fantastic. You know, um, if, if I can just have one person uh, contact us and say, listen, you know, I, I want to do this because of you, or I learned something about, you know, the, the West Virginia state penitentiary or prospect place manor or the exchange hotel, I've learned some things that I didn't know, or I never knew this existed. That to me is, is an extremely rewarding um, aspect of what we do. You know, most of us on the team, I'm a teacher, my sister's a teacher, you know, Michelle and Cara are, are, are JDs and, and uh, Kim's a teacher. So to be able to, to impart some of this knowledge and, and some of these places that we get to go to, to be able to bring that to our audiences is, is uh, extremely rewarding. You talked about everyone learning from you, mm-hmm. but can you tell me what was the m- most important thing you've learned doing what you do? I, I, I think patience, you know, for me, I'm, I've always been a kind of like go, 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 go type of a person. I think patience because you, you do, you go into these locations and you're sitting there essentially talking into the dark. Um, not knowing what you're going to find or if you're going to find anything. So I think patience is, is a good thing that I've learned with all this and, and just enjoying the moment, you know, really just, you know, getting to places again, like Villisca or the Ma Barker house or um, uh, West Virginia state penitentiary, being able to go to these locations and just enjoying it for what it is first and foremost. And that is a, a, a journey packing up everything, driving there, setting up the equipment, all of it is an experience that I enjoy every aspect of it. Even if we're sitting in the cold or, you know, uh, we're not getting anything or I don't perceive that we're getting anything, just enjoying the entire experience. I, I think that's been probably the m- most rewarding part of all, of all of this. What's the one interesting item you take with you when you go to these investigations and you cannot say your gear? <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, first I'll, I'll say my sisters. I don't know if that's, that's part of the gear or not, but a long time ago I was at a conference and, um, remember the little roaming gnome from Travelocity? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we have a, a squeeze, a little, um, stress ball roaming gnome. So he goes with us. Um, he's packed in the gear. Uh, so he kind of, he, our little roaming gnome goes with us. And so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Does it help you, uh, de-stress? Sometimes, sometimes, you know, when we can't decide on what radio station to listen to or what podcast to listen to. Right. <laughs> like, give me the gnome. <laughs> so he goes with us as well. Um, and, 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 you know, that's another thing, finding a great podcast to listen to. Um, you know, that has become our saving grace on long road trips. So to, to be able to actually interview on podcast is, is pretty, it's a pretty cool thing as well. Piece of life advice for a younger you. For younger me, get into paranormal investigations earlier. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) if you were to have spoken to me in 2013 and said, you're going to go on this journey and it's going to take you across the country and you're going to meet amazing people and it's all going to involve you trying to communicate with the dead, I would have said, "Mm, probably not. This isn't our our full-time jobs. We all have full-time jobs. This is really a, a labor of love for us. But for me, it's it is consuming when I'm not doing my other job. You know, I'm, I'm listening to to voice recorders. I'm I'm watching uh, vi- video footage. I'm putting together a video or editing or something like that. So, but I love it. It, it is absolutely really consumed everything. You know, to pass out business cards or to have somebody recognize our logo. It, it, it just en- encompasses everything that is amazing right now. So. 
at least in my life. So I think that would probably be my piece of advice. Start sooner. Is there anything else that you want to tell us? Any other last tidbit? You know, again, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This has just been a great conversation. But, uh, you know, for me, like I said, travel is, is all about the journey. It's it's about experiencing everything from, you know, when you put your seatbelt on in the car and start to when you come back to the house. It's just enjoy all of it. Enjoy the aspect of, of getting there, of being in the moment at the location and then enjoying the ride home. So uh, that to me is really what this is all about. Okay, so last question. Sure. Where can we find you? You've mentioned <laughs> your YouTube, but tell us all. Tell us all. <laughs> well, everything you need to know about us is actually on our website at www.soulsistersparanormal.com. Uh, everything from how we've started, all of our videos, um, where we're heading next, uh, all of that is there, how to contact us. If you'd love to, like to su subscribe to us on YouTube, it is, is under Soul Sisters Paranormal. Um, we're also active on Facebook under Soul Sisters Paranormal. Um, I just joined MeWe, so um, we're there as well. And uh, I'm on Instagram. Um, I, I'm still trying to figure out Instagram a little bit, but we are on Instagram under Soul Sisters Paranormal as well. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe, share it to your friends, and follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.